Look, a lot of people are disappointed that the uh, Premier of New South Wales has not recalled State Parliament. And, of course, given the fact that there'll be no more 11 o'clock press conferences from the Premier herself, um, there are there's more people arguing that perhaps the State Government is trying to, well, shirk its accountability. Now, one person who I know will certainly feel that way is David Shoebridge. Morning to you, David. How are you, mate? Yeah, not too bad, Marcus. Um, uh, another week in politics. Well, that's true. Um, I was surprised um, by this announcement on Saturday from Gladys Berejiklian that uh, there'll be no more uh, conferences at 11 o'clock. Um, and then I thought, well, maybe the reason why is because she will be recalling Parliament this week. But then I got another note from a couple of MPs saying, no, that's not the case. Yeah, and it's pretty extraordinary. In in the same 48 hours that the Premier said that she would no longer be having any the, the daily press conferences, it was the same time in which she, she, she directed her upper house MPs to refuse to effectively cooperate with the return of the upper house. So, and then made a clear statement that we wouldn't see Parliament again for at least another month. And, um, you know, I, I think I've said this to you before, Marcus, a, a crisis is a time for more accountability, not less accountability. And right now, there's literally nothing, nothing that this Premier um, thinks she should be doing to have any kind of formal accountability. And I find it just um, just incredible. Well, we'll wait and see. Um, I mean, how long can this go on, uh, the State Parliament not uh, not meeting? Uh, we know that, uh, and, and even in, in the words of the Premier herself, the worst is yet to come here in New South Wales. We'll see immense pressure on our health system in the coming weeks, if not month, um, with greater hospitalisations, more people moving into um, intensive care units. I mean, for goodness sake, they're even calling in ambulance drivers to assist in all of this yeah well f- fire and rescue drivers to, yeah. to assist in driving ambulances the um so tomorrow a majority of mps in the upper house have a very clear majority you know around about 60 percent of the mps in the upper house have said they want to return and um so there will be a return in the upper house the question is whether the government will refuse to provide a minister to the house and if they refuse to provide a minister to the house there'll be an argument about whether or not that means the house can continue with its business. So a majority of MPs are ready to go. Um, None of them seem at this stage to be from the coalition. Um, They've all been double vaxxed. Um, They're all um, complying with one of the most stringent COVID safety plans and we'll be there ready to do our work tomorrow in Parliament. Yep. The question is whether or not Premier Berejiklian will be directing her ministers not to attend Mm -hmm. to try and kill off um, the upper house sitting. Now, uh, if, if that happens, that would be a slap in the face, I think, to democracy and a slap in the face to the, to the people of New South Wales because, you know, it's, it's literally happening in the same week where she has said, well, she, she's not going to turn up to, her, to the daily press conference. Where, well, then where is the accountability? And I suppose some of that shifts to the, the committee work we do and the oversight work we can, we can still do through committees. All right, well, I'll move to what the work you're doing for Will Kenya and other Indigenous uh, areas in just a moment. But just returning to the Premier, uh, Gladys Berejiklian has declined to say whether she thinks the public should be told if she or her ministers come under investigation by the Independent Commission Against Corruption as she gave her final daily COVID update saying 
that she needed a clear head. The Premier said questions about ICAC investigations remained a matter for the agency while refusing to be drawn on whether she had been asked to give further evidence to the corruption watchdog's investigation into her former boyfriend, Daryl Maguire. <coughs> she would also not be drawn on questions regarding ministers. So, I mean, I'm not quite sure what's going on here. Is there something uh, amiss or something perhaps around the corner or...? <laughs> <laughs> well, 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 well. Part of the speculation about why this week for the premier to say that um, she's not turning up to press conferences is because she may well have to be missing one day this week to go and give evidence in ICAC again. Yeah. And if the premier is being questioned about her conduct in ICAC and um, um, and or not being questioned about her conduct in ICAC, well, then the premier should be telling the people of New South Wales whether or not she and or her ministers are the subject of of any investigation now. One of the reasons the Premier doesn't want the upper house to return is because it's been the upper house that has forced the release of all of the documents that have shown and, and you know, it, it, you know, shown in some detail the kind of scandalous behaviour involving Daryl Maguire and the continuing involvement that the Premier has had, for example, in a $5.5 million grant that Daryl Maguire kept pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing for a conference centre at a shooting club on the outskirts yep. of Wagga. yep. The, the documents we got showed the Premier had a continuing involvement in that all the way through while she was Treasurer, and then six months after she, she was still being kept in the loop, and, and, and her office seems to be seeking you know, a review of a business case of that thing, um, even while she was Premier. Now, of course the, the, the Premier doesn't want that kind of material to be out in the public, but... Of course, the people of New South Wales deserve answers about Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. It's, it's all about accountability and, and ensuring that taxpayer money is spent appropriately yeah. and, and not pork-barrelled or funneled into other interests. And, and, and in that case, mm. the, the initial business case review of this $5.5 million grant said yeah. that things should not go ahead. It said it was a stinker. It wasn't worth value for money. It wouldn't produce a net positive return. And, and of course, you know, as so often we've seen with this government, when the first independent study says no, they're not going to take no for an answer. This was always a political approval. So they workshopped it and manipulated it and sent it off and redid the numbers and then came back and said, oh, no, now it's great. And suddenly $5.5 million of public money flows down one of Daryl Maguire's pet projects. Now, well, yeah, I mean, you know, that's it. Public money. It's not his money, the Premier's money, or anybody's money apart from the public of New South Wales, and we deserve bang for our buck. All right. Let's move on to what you're up to this week. Uh, of course, you will be chairing the Public Accountability Committee as it hears from Aboriginal and remote communities in West and Northwest New South Wales about the COVID response. Uh, we know what's happened in areas like Wilcannia, Burke and Broken Hill, but there are many questions to ask. In fact, why did it take more than a month to deliver mobile homes to Wilcannia after the outbreak there, for instance? And why were vaccination rates so low before this recent outbreak? And all the rest of it. Yeah, and, and part of what we want to do today, and we've got this, this hearing is happening in three stages. The first stage, we're going to be hearing directly from community reps, from Wilcania, from Walgett, from Brewarrina, and we'll also be hearing from the, uh, from the mayor of Broken Hill because there's been a COVID outbreak in Broken Hill, as, yes. as your listeners probably know. Mm -hmm. um, and then we're going to be hearing from the Aboriginal Medical Services, you know, the people who are providing the supports on the ground. And then after that, we're going to be putting all of those concerns to the various government entities, you know, the police and the, the health um, and, and, and other services. So that's the day's hearing. But 
I, I just can't conceive of how how the government can 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 excuse itself for its response in Wilcannia, for example. I mean, I've been to Wilcannia um, more more than once as an MP. Um, I know the community there is desperate for housing. Mm. You know, seriously overcrowded housing. And when you have seriously overcrowded housing and you have a Delta outbreak, you've got a disaster waiting to happen. You add to that low vaccination rates and poor medical services, and that's what Volcania was facing. So how could it possibly take more than a month to provide some alternate accommodation there? It's not like there's 10 motels in Volcania you can go to. You well, know, there's, one, there's, there's one and a half motels in Volcania. There's, the, and, and that pretty comprehensive failure of one of the most vulnerable populations is something we'll be exploring. And also we'll be talking with the Aboriginal Medical Services. You know, these are the organisations that are led and run by Aboriginal communities. They're the ones that have the trust of the local communities. And the question is, have they got the resources and the money and the, and, and the staff they need to deliver the vaccines, to deliver the message on vaccines and to keep people safe? Yeah. Yep. Well, we'll certainly keep an eye on that over the uh, the coming days. Uh, and hopefully as well, uh, we'll be able to get some response from the state government as to what uh, is going to happen in Macquarie Street. It's it's wonderful that you can still uh, hold these committees and in some way, shape or form, hold government accountable. But we do need questions asked on the floor of Parliament. And this is, uh, you know, one of the most telling times of the state's history, uh, as the Premier herself has said. <laughs> You know, we're, we're about to face uh, a crisis point in in this yeah. COVID situation. And, and you look at you look at democracies in the past, you know, um, and and democracy is not meant to stop functioning in a crisis. You know, you could you could pick case after case after case. But you go back to World War Two in the United Kingdom, right? They were, you know, at the worst part of the World War Two. You know. Um, Bombing, the bombing of London, major disasters. Parliament kept sitting, kept sitting all the way through that crisis. Um, um, uh, I can't recall another time um, in, in, in anything like, you know, uh, modern political history where Parliament has been shut down when there's a crisis. Normally what you'll see is Parliament stepping up and doing its job of being a loyal opposition, holding the government to account, yeah. asking the tough questions, ensuring that the tough questions are being answered and therefore we get the best policy outcomes in, a, in an environment like this. Well, that's what we want, the best yeah. policy outcomes. If we're all in this together, that's what we deserve. David, thank you for your time, mate. Cheers, Marcus. Good speaking.